Hello, Hello yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Welcome to the potty, everybody. (laughs) Thanks, Jay. We are here with S.V. Pierce, a.k.a. Sophie, a.k.a. Mother of Two. Thank you very much. I'll take mother of two and Sophie, but I will not respond to my Instagram <laughs> handle. Oh, and, and Dr. Pierce. Yes, thank you. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. How old is little Goldie? She'll be two weeks tomorrow and she's the most alert I think she's ever been in her life right now. I was <laughs> hoping I could get her down for a nap before we started, but she's just hiccuping away here, so apologies. She's keen to get on, on the potty. She is. She's yeah. an attention seeker already like her mum oh, um, and like Auntie Jay, yeah. but um, that's okay. It you can't okay. blame a girl. No, you can't. So we're going to talk all things birth because it's fresh in your mind yeah. and I think it's important that we get that under wraps now yeah. so you can obviously not forget all those, you know, crucial the moments. The nitty-gritties. I love the I was going to say um, my midwife on the day, Claire, she was an absolute gem, but when I met her she did say, oh, I listened to your podcast. So the one thing I'm nervous about is I know she's going to listen and she's probably going to be like that never happened that's not how that happened she's a liar yeah so I already messaged her and said just give me a break about any like creative tangents I go on (laughs) (laughs) this is how I remembered it in the throes of labor and that's all that matters it didn't even hurt but yeah when I was pregnant I um especially the first time I just loved listening to births and especially positive ones you know just because I I was quite adamant on not creating fear within myself around giving birth so I um yeah I'm really excited to share I'll share from the start with poppies and then with goldies but I'm really excited to share it well thank you for coming here thank you actually in your house but (laughs) I'm taking control we were actually talking about this before we start how funny it is that when you are pregnant Mm this obsession we all have with other people's birth stories Mm. like you just want to know all the information you can Mm. before you and especially when you've never had a a birth before it's your first child Mm. you just don't know it's an unknown um, oh absolutely yeah I think especially in your first pregnancy you're either into you know you're either one way or another you're either of the mindset that ignorance is bliss and I'm just going to go in and whatever happens happens and I'll go with the flow or you're more of the mindset that you know you want to know as much as um you can and I was definitely in the I want to know as much as I can camp you know being a doctor I think I already knew a lot about birth but I still wanted to know more because I'm one of those people that you know if I'm going to go through something that Look, I'm going to say painful for want of a better word, but I know that people like to not call contractions painful and they like to call them surges, etc. But I was of the mindset that if I knew what was happening, I would I would see it more as progress than 
you know, being out of control mm. and that kind of thing. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so if we're talking, are we going to talk about um, POPs first? Yeah. Okay. So how is that pregnancy? Yeah. So I'll, I'll start a bit before Poppy. So we um, had been married for about four or so months and and Nick has, my husband, has been keen to have children since basically the day we met mm-hmm. um, and he was of the mindset. He was like, what's even the point of getting married? You know, kids are a bigger commitment. I want to have kids with you. And we met when we were like 20. So I was like, we're pretty young. If we can, let's just get married first. Let's just treat it as a party. I have absolutely no issues with babies out of wedlock like yourself. Yeah. Um, Sinner. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, you know, we're young. Let's just tick that off first so um it was about four months after we got married and I think in at the wedding Nick had mentioned babies kids a, about a thousand times to the point that my brother who was the MC, was like we get, get it you guys are having sex tonight <laughs> can we stop hang on talking you about wait it? until your wedding to have no, God, no, 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 no. Okay. I mean yes mum and dad yes no 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 <laughs> not at all okay. um be religious no. Okay. No. Um, I come from quite an atheist family. But okay. What about you? No, I'm agnostic. Right. Okay. After about four months, started trying and we actually got pregnant the first month we started trying and I felt amazing and I was like, I am so good at this. I was born to do this. I'm a pregnant goddess, etc., etc. <laughs> and then unfortunately. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> no, that's honestly, I was like, because I've always been a spewer. Mm. You know, when I first went on the pill, I had to go on 10 different pills because they all made me vomit. I get car sick. When I'm hungover, I vomit all day. Mm. When I was li- when I was a baby, I, every time my mum burnt me, I'd spew all over. Like, I'm just a spewer. Yeah. So I was of the mindset, I'm going to spew. And here I was feeling just great, a little bit tired, fantastic. But went along to our dating scan and unfortunately um, we were eight weeks by dates but the baby was only six weeks in size and there was no heartbeat. And um, that was really devastating for us. Um, I think especially being the first, all of a sudden being told, well, you're not a mum, yeah. you know, because as, as I think as soon as you pee on that stick or your have any changed. idea of when your due date is, your world does change. And any date someone mentions in your head, you go, oh, I'm going to be six months pregnant then mm. or um, or I'm going to have a two-week-old then. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, you're not, and you're not a mum. And, yeah, and so that was really hard. And I, I Did think- that put doubt in your mind of will this happen again? Uh, no, I mean, I, I was realistic in the fact that I knew how common miscarriages were, you know, one, one in four pregnancies, um, unfortunately result in a miscarriage. So I, I, I didn't feel, oh, there's something wrong with me or this isn't going to happen. And I guess in hindsight, the silver lining was I got pregnant so quickly. Like I can't imagine how difficult it would be if, you know, you'd gone through a long road of IVF or you'd been trying for a really long time or, you know, God forbid it happened further down the line Mm. than six weeks. But I think it is amazing the bond you can create with something over such a short period of time. And I had, you know, that was kind of the devastating part that, you know, I'd only really known I was pregnant for two weeks, but 
the the amount that your world changes yeah. in that time. And I think people, you know, did say to me, oh, but at least you got pregnant the first time so you'll, you know, be pregnant in no time again. And I was like, at the time, I was like, no, no, but I want that baby. Yeah. Like that baby was my baby and I want that baby. And then now I look back and I think, okay, well, it all happened for a reason because if I had have had that baby, I wouldn't have had Poppy. Exactly. Or you can be of the mindset, was that Poppy? Excuse me. Sorry, we're yeah. talking about you and we're talking about your sister. Yeah, exactly. You know, or was that, you know, Poppy's soul or whatever. And we'll never know, but everyone can think what they think. You know, oh, it's, in I, those I guess situations. It's, it's however you can cope best. Yeah. That's the way. Yeah. And then, um, and then not that it's a long time, but it took us actually six months to conceive Poppy, which felt like forever at the time mm. because it had happened so quickly the first time. And, yeah, we got pregnant with Poppy and I knew I was pregnant the day that my period was due because from that day forward mm. I – felt sick so the day that my period was due I woke up that morning feeling sick and I thought okay I think we're on because yep I feel severely hungover even though I did not drink last night and I did a pregnancy test that day and it was positive and I felt sick for the next 30 weeks um yeah my yeah my pregnancy with Poppy was really tough it was basically the pregnancy that I kind of assumed I was going to have, I, you know, I didn't know why it was called morning sickness because I would vomit all day long. I had to tell my bosses at work that I was pregnant when I was about five, five or six weeks pregnant because I would be on a ward round or whatever. And I would be just running off and spewing. I had to be snacking nonstop. So you had what they call hyperemesis. Yes. Yeah. I I only went to hospital once, but looking back, there were other days that I was silly to have not gone to hospital. Um, I think being a doctor, I was, I was kind of like, I don't, I don't want to inconvenience people, you know, like I'm not actually sick. I'm just pregnant. And this is, you know, symptoms of the pregnancy. But looking back, I think, gosh, it would, it's so easy in the emergency department to look after someone who's got hyperemesis. Why did I not just go in, get some fluids? And it's important. I think that when you have um, a, when you do have hyperemesis, you you do think I'm pregnant, that's all it is, I'm not actually sick, so I have to just push past yeah. this because everyone else does. But yeah. I think it takes a while to actually accept that this is worse than just vomiting a few times throughout the day yeah. and you are you actually get so dehydrated. I went in a few times to the doctor and yeah. the hospital and got a drip and yeah. every time I got hydrated again, yeah. I felt a million bucks. Oh, for sure. And the minute you get that, um, I mean, the medication's called on Danzatron or Zofran, which you can get the little wafers for. But, you know, if you're vomiting nonstop, they don't really do that much so you know the minute you get that through the trip as well that is just it's the money um yeah so there was a couple of days that you know I would speak to my dad who's an obstetrician if you haven't heard his episodes um Dr Timmy Dr Timmy um and I would speak to him in the afternoon and he would say how's your day and I would say I couldn't go to work today I have been in bed all day and he would say you know how much have you managed to drink and I'd say I haven't 
drunk anything and he goes yeah have you eaten anything no I haven't eaten anything today like and he would go what are you still doing in bed like you have literally not taken anything in today mm. and I'd be like oh yeah maybe I should have <laughs> gone in but it, it's it's awful it, I, I don't think that anyone can downplay how awful it is and I feel so sorry for anyone that goes through it um and if I can offer any kind of hope or anything it's that you know your baby will be okay I I, you know there was days where I was just like there's no way that my baby is going to get through this Mm -hmm. like I'm I'm when I eat it's only carbs and it's only beige like how can Mm. my child be nourished off literally zero greenery Mm. and yeah nothing of any what the doctors told me when I was in hospital because I was um hospitalized with my paramesis as well uh for two of the girls and no that's a lie three of the girls I forgot how many kids I have (laughs) you have three now yeah um but I was, like you, upset that I was not giving them what they needed because I would eat literally just potato chips. And they said, you know, in terms of what is coming through with the the blood cells and everything that's going through that umbilical cord, they're getting exactly what they need. You just feel like a piece of shit. So don't worry about them because they're always going to get first preference and you're going to get the same. And then that made me feel better going, all right, well, yeah. Who cares about me? And and then when you don't feel sick anymore, like the day you get a good day, you're like, oh, I think I need to feel sick because I'm worried that. Yeah, it's worrying. Mm. It's absolutely, yeah, it is worrying Mm. when you have a a good day, which is ridiculous. You can't win. No, you can't. Um, So anyway, that went up until basically... 30 weeks so the whole second trimester I was waiting to feel this I remember one of my friends said to me oh throughout the whole second trimester I felt so good that if I could bottle up that feeling and take it each morning even now when I'm not pregnant I would because it's probably the best I've ever felt in my life and so I was you know, I was like, got to 12 weeks. I was like, the first <laughs> trimester's done. I'll start feeling better soon. And then, you know, I was like, okay, maybe it'll come at 14 weeks and then 16 maybe. You know, this went on and on. Um, and, yeah, I vomited every single day at, at least multiple times um, until 30 weeks. Um, and then I... I actually had to get an iron infusion because I was really iron deficient. And after that, I don't know if it was a coincidence, but it correlated with that that I started to feel a lot better. So I don't know if kind of Mm. it was like a layered effect that I I still had um, hyperemesis but also was iron deficient on top of that. So I think it was a layered effect why I just felt so dreadful. And were you able to have um, vitamins? Because I couldn't even take my vitamins. The guilt I would feel. Every scan we went to, you know, you take folate in pregnancy to decrease your risk of neural tube defects, which is like spina bifida. And I remember thinking, which, which are conditions like spina bifida, and I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, what if, you know, I have done that to my child because I just could I could not take any any vitamins at all and then on top of that I'm like oh my gosh I'm eating so unhealthily as well like 
Yeah, so no, I couldn't. And I felt really guilty about that because I knew that I should be. And I just hoped that I could get some folate from all the bloody bread I was eating because <laughs> that's about all. I was like having avocado toast like three. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. Mate, no. I had hot dogs, chips and yeah. pizza shapes. That's what my children like grew up were in the tummy having. Yeah, well, yeah, same. I remember Nick, like Nick and I are like in non-pregnant life are very healthy. This pregnancy, he said to me, babe, I feel like I'm getting scurvy <laughs> because we've had no fruit and vegetables <laughs> in months. I was like, well, no one's stopping you from eating yeah. them, but if you serve me up anything green, I'll spew across Kick the table. Um, but I remember he got home from work one day and I was sitting on the couch and I was watching, it was either Hungry Jacks or KFC ad and it's not something that we would, like we don't really get takeaway like that and it was a potato and gravy and nugget meal and I was sitting there I was like get out go and get me that meal oh my gosh I was drooling and he's like are you serious so we nicknamed Poppy in my womb Schnitty (laughs) because all I wanted to eat was chicken schnitzels so she was called Schnitty because we didn't know what we were having so she was called Schnitty the whole time anyway and then we got to 30 weeks and by then you're pretty big and I was feeling great and everyone's like oh you must be feeling massive and I was like no I've never felt this good in my life like just the how grateful you feel when you come out the other side and you know so so yeah I I actually quite enjoyed the last trimester of my pregnancy because even though I was big I was like whatever I'm not vomiting every day every now and again I'd get reflux and still you know then the reflux makes you vomit but in general I felt really good until about 36 weeks and I woke up one morning and around my belly button felt really itchy and I was like oh this is really weird and I knew that there was a condition um with pregnancy called cholestasis that could be quite serious and that could make you itchy but I looked that up and uh, like just to reacquaint myself Mm. with it and that's mainly on your palms and on the soles of your feet that you get itchy um and I was like oh that's a bit weird maybe because she I had her in February so this was around yeah like early Feb so it was hot yeah and I was like oh maybe I've just got a bit of a heat rash or maybe my skin's dry from being out in the sun I'll just moisturize it and surely it'll go away and I came across this other condition I hadn't heard of called pups and it's like got quite a long sounds cute it's not cute. Oh. It's it's an acronym for P U P P P S, which is I can't even remember what it stands for. But basically, it's itchy rash of pregnancy <laughs> is the layman's term of it, um, and they don't know what causes it. And I looked it up, and of course, I looked it up on Google, and I showed Nick the pictures, and he goes, "Oh no, that looks horrible. That's not what you've got. Like yours is just little and around your belly button, and that's like ooh." Anyway, in two days' time, I was worse than Google. No. And Nick was like, no one's worse than Google. Have you got photos? Yeah, I do. We can sh- yeah. oh, we can share them cool. on the stories. And, yeah, so here I am, 36 to 37 weeks pregnant, massive itchy? summer, itchy as, like before that I was like nausea and vomiting are the worst symptom you could ever experience. No, I'm sorry, I disagree now. Itch is the worst thing ever. So this Did you it, this, make yourself bleed by itching or no, but uh, this rash started from my belly button and then just to make me even sexier spread from my belly button up to underneath my breasts and down into my groin. So that was the way it spread. And they don't know what causes it. There's no real there's no cure other than having your baby. Um, so is it a hormone? They think it's a um, like a 
I think they think it's like an immune reaction where your baby's skin cells get underneath your skin cells and cause irritation. But basically it's most common in your first pregnancy. They think it's related also to stretch. So it's most common in your first pregnancy because, you know, your body hasn't stretched like that before. Um, I have been really lucky and haven't had any stretch marks on my tummy, but often the rash will occur in the lines of your stretch marks, so the areas of stretch. And if you have multiple pregnancies, like if you're having twins or triplets because there's greater stretch, it's more likely to occur in those two. Mm. But it, it's it's not common for it to reoccur. Um, but anyway, I was buying up the chemist. Like I was spending so much money at the chemist trying to find something that would help I would put so much calamine lotion Mm. on my tummy that I felt like I couldn't breathe anymore because when it would dry like I felt like I just it was just so hard and I would get up maybe five times a night to have a cold shower and I just couldn't sleep so this ended up going on for I think once we reached the week mark I was about yeah I would have been about 37 weeks pregnant and I went into my obstetrician and I was like I'm not I'm not coping. Like I can't have this little sleep and then have a newborn. And and I might, if I have my baby at 41 weeks, I was like, that's going to be a whole month of me not sleeping to then have a newborn to then look after. And uh, like, I I would say I'm a normally really positive person, but those couple of weeks I would go into the obstetrician, the receptionist who I have quite a good relationship with would look at me and go, you don't look like yourself and I would just burst into tears and I was like not okay what a bitch (laughs) no she's not all but so anyway my obstetrician ended up saying look if you get to 38 weeks I'm happy to induce you after then it's he's like you know just 37 weeks is a little bit early to be inducing you and and oh, I'll say during that pregnancy, um, the best thing I did was I did a calm birthing course. Nick and I at about 30 weeks did a calm birthing course with um, some friends of ours that are a couple. They did it too. And I would highly recommend a course like that. Or I haven't done hypnobirthing, but it sounds like they, you know, talk about similar things that, you know, breathing's really crucial and positive manifestations of your birth and I do feel like the courses at times can be a bit too anti-medical intervention, Um, but I think if you go into it with an open mind that, you know, sometimes those things need to happen and sometimes that's okay, you know, you can still have a really beautiful birth with intervention and having one piece of intervention doesn't mean that you're then going to have the and, whole and hog. Nick really thought oh it Nick was loved it yeah so before that it was very much you know my pregnancy my birth Nick was just kind of there as a spectator oh he's definitely going to stay above the shoulders that kind of yeah. thing and after this course he was ju- it was just you know the birth became about us and he really found his role in the in the birth um and he on the day ended up being just absolutely amazing and and yeah and so we did leading up to the birth we did a lot of breathing practice and we would pick a certain essential oil to have in an oil burner at night that would that we'd practice the breathing to and that would be you know a positive smell for us to get used to that we would have in the birth suite and things like that and it was really great so then when I came to the end of the pregnancy and it was obvious for my mental state that I was going to have to be induced. I I did get a bit, oh, no, if I get induced, then 
I'm definitely going to need an epidural. And if I need an epidural, I'll definitely need, you know, instrumental birth or I'll definitely end up having a cesarean. And I did get a little bit that way. Because there's a huge emphasis and stigma on being induced. Totally. It's it's like because you're not naturally falling into it yourself and you're getting a hand that – I find so many people talking about this going, the last thing you should do yeah. is be induced. Just do what you can until that point. Yeah. And, you know, we'll obviously find out in a little bit yeah. that that was it does. not it how does it was get a, for you. No, not at all. And, and that's why I definitely wanted to share this because I will get to the to Goldie's birth too, but I've had two incredible births and both of them were induced and both of them were induced before I was due to and both times my body was actually really not showing any signs of going into labour itself. So it's not like I was right on a point where I was probably going to go into labour on my own anyway. Mm. When I got induced with Poppy, I'd had an internal and I don't even think I was one centimetre. My cervix was still hard and closed and all the things that it shouldn't be. But once I had that date set, the relief Mm. and the release and it was, oh, I can't imagine being 37 weeks or 38 weeks pregnant and itchy. And you you haven't slept for two weeks. Oh, no. But it just, you have to do what you have to do. So anyway, we set the date and my obstetrician's, a bit conservative so he still gave me steroids so that's for if you're induced or having a baby prematurely they give you steroids to help with the baby's lungs and at the time I was like oh I'm 38 weeks I don't need steroids for the baby's lungs like the baby's well cooked but I got them and it was actually the best thing I did because I was getting induced in two days time and the steroids actually really helped with the itchiness of my rash so steroids help with all types of inflammation so that it actually really helped wow. with the itchiness of my rash. But I, I, you know, I had the date set, the induction was booked, I was yeah. ready. You were there. You were I was ready there. I was mentally there. So we went in to the hospital um, at night and inductions can help, can, can happen in all different ways, different hospitals, different doctors all do it differently but I'll just say what my doctor did so we went in in the afternoon and it was really funny rocking up you know not in labor but with our suitcase with our pillows ready to it was just it (laughs) seemed too organized did the receptionist lady go uh you don't look like you're giving birth go home (laughs) well I was glad that at my hospital the lifts take so long to come down to the basement to the car park to get you that both times I've gone in for my induction I've thought God, I'm glad that I'm not in the heavy throes of labour waiting 10 to 15 minutes for this lift to take me up to labour ward. You know, and there's like all these old people around you that are staring at you anyway because you're heavily pregnant with your pillow. And I just think, oh, my gosh, imagine if I was hanging off Nick down here moaning and groaning. I'd be putting on a show. But, yeah, we went up and they gave me um, Cervidil, which is a um, medication that they put on your cervix. So they did that at, like, 4 o'clock. And, and what does 10 that o'clock. do? It's meant to ripen your cervix, so okay. soften it up and thin it out and get it ready for labour. Mm-hmm. And some people, if you're really lucky overnight, 
that will put you into labour. So is it a gel? It's a gel. Is that what they call yeah, the gel? Yeah, it's yeah. a gel. Anyway, we so that happened, felt nothing, lay there. Nick was lovely, was giving me a nice shoulder massage and neck massage. Got that this, calm birthing with sweat, the, really. Yeah, with, this, with this essential Worked. oil that we'd chosen that was, you know, the smell that we had become accustomed to. Anyway, woke up the next morning, had had a great sleep because of the steroids and had not had one niggle. All the midwives are like, did you even experience any period pain? And I'm going, no, not a a thing, slept great, but had had an allergic reaction to the essential oil overnight and had broken out in my skin must have just been so sensitive, had broken out in this rash, hot rash, all up my ears, all down my neck and on my shoulders. So did he use the essential oil on your back? And I think he was also meant to use a carrier oil that like (laughs) makes it less intense. So I'm like, "Mm, nice in theory. Did it burn when he? It was, no, it was fine when he was doing it. Next morning woke up hot as hell and I was like, okay, well that was nice in theory but not so great in practice. (laughs) So then they took us round to the, from our room to the birthing suite and they broke my waters and sometimes they'll wait and see if um, you then go into labour on your own from the waters being broken or if they'll start the drip straight away. And um, because the the gel hadn't really done much overnight, um, the obstetrician said, look, it's very unlikely that I'm going to break your waters and you're all of a sudden going to mm. go into labour. So I think for your sake, we should probably just break your waters and then start the drip straight away. And I was a bit worried about the breaking of the waters. It was so fine. It's the best feeling. It's like, oh, yeah. it's like a hot balloon. Just- well, yeah, but you're kind of like, oh, I feel like I'm pissing myself, but it's not the right hole, right? I, mean, I didn't know what hole was going out <laughs> where at that stage. But Shane's like, how many good? holes? Yeah. Do I have more than one I hole? I don't know anymore. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I'd say it felt good. It feels warm and it feels like you're pissing yourself, but it's from the wrong hole and then it just, like, continues to leak. Don't you reckon? It just go and and when you walk- But it didn't hurt at all. Did it hurt for you? No. When no. I walked around- because I was standing up for majority, yeah. I, um, like, if you move to the left or the right, just more would keep coming out. Oh, for out. sure. And each time you have yeah. a contraction, it's oh, like <laughs> comes <laughs> out. Anyway, so broke my waters and then we started the um, drip straight away. And they, at the start, oh, they, you know, they slowly increased the dose of the drip. Mm-hmm. And at the start, I was kind of like. And they're putting a ho- hormone. Yeah, so it's syntocin, which is what you. which is, you know, the love hormone, they call it, um, that you produce when you're in labour anyway. And that's what, if you naturally go into labour, that's what causes your contractions. But they're just synthetically giving that to you. Um, And I've heard that they're quite, they can be quite intense. Yeah, so the way they do it is they start it off at a low dose. So at the start, it's kind of like, I imagine if you go into labour naturally, when your contractions are further apart, they're a bit more mild. You can talk a bit through them. You know, they're, yeah. they're okay at the start. So at the start, I was like, this is sweet. Like, can you turn this thing up faster? Like, I'm ready to get going. So they broke my waters inside of the drip at eight o'clock. And I would say by like 11.30, the contractions had become quite bitey, quite painful. 
where I was, when I could see my midwife walking towards the drip, I was like, yeah, no girl, you don't not turn that thing up, leave that alone. So she would like sneak over and turn it up when I wasn't watching. So yeah, they became bitey by about 11.30 and I, um, you know, when you start trying all the different positions and you're like, how can I make myself comfortable? And during that labor, I spent a lot of the time I would sit down on the toilet in between contractions so that I could have some rest and then when I was actually having the contraction I would stand up and I would hang on to Nick's neck um with it because I wanted to be standing when I was having the contraction but I wanted to be able to rest in between Mm. them but I couldn't get up and down off the bed quick enough such a weird feeling I did the same thing with the shower I'd sit on a chair or a ball in the shower and when I would get a contraction I would grab his neck not your Nick my Nick, and just go, oh. My Nick enjoyed birth so much that afterwards he's like, I'm going to become a doula. <gasps> Our friend came into labour, it came into birth suite a couple of days after we'd have Poppy because she had kind of like signs of early labour and her partner was away and he goes, if you go into labour overnight, give me a call, I'll no, come be your birth not. support. Yeah, he was all about it. Then he was like, I'm going to be a lactation consultant because he would give me all these tips when I was putting Poppy on the boob and they'd always work. He's one of those annoying, yeah, he's just annoying. He's right. He's right. Mr. Right. Yeah, Mr. Right. Um, doesn't actually know anything about it, but like we'll give the Is right advice. Right? It's just annoying. <laughs> but it's helpful, but mm. it's annoying. Yeah, so the thing with the shower is I would have loved to have given the shower a go, but when you get induced, you have to be on monitoring pretty much the whole time. You're so, hairy armpits. They're not even hairy. Okay. God, if you think that's hairy, you should look at my legs. It was difficult to, I, you know, originally would have loved to have been in the bath for a lot of it. The, the room I was in had a great water birth bath. It's always a loved, lovely idea, isn't it? would have it? loved to have been in there, but because I was on the drip and had to be monitored with the CTG machine pretty much the whole time to keep an eye on the baby, but you can't, you can't get in and out of bodies of water or you can't really get in and out of the shower. But that was fine. I used a lot of the breathing techniques that I learnt from the calm birthing course, which sound so fuddy-duddy when it's out loud but are so helpful at the time to the point that I the I tried to use the gas in Poppy's labour but it because you have to blow in and out through your mouth with the machine that gives you the gas and I'd been breathing in through my nose and then out through my mouth with the breathing that I'd been doing during the contractions it just spun me like I it, mm. it put me out of sync and out of whack to what I'd been doing so I could I didn't didn't like it I didn't even wait to feel the effects of it I tried it like once and thought oh god that's that's not you. put it yeah it's 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 affecting my breathing too much could you give us an example of what you did do oh, I don't know if I could even it was just kind of like it's kind of like yoga breathing like Slow. When you're having a contraction, yeah. So breathing through it. Yeah, and focusing on your breath. A big thing was when you're in a contraction, don't think about your last contraction. Don't think about that there's going to be another contraction coming. Just focus on your breath and focus on that contraction at the time. And then when you're resting in between contractions, don't think about the fact that you've just come out of contraction. Don't think about the fact that there's a contraction coming. Just rest. Mm -hmm. So trying to, I guess, be as present as possible, but then focusing on the breath when you are present, Mm -hmm. which if someone told me that before, I would probably be like, that's not going to work. A hundred percent was amazing. 
Some other tips we learned from it actually while we're here is when we came into the birth suite, Nick turned the clock around um, because you want to get out of that analytical side of your brain when you're doing it. So you don't want to be checking, oh, how long have I been going for? Um, How long do I have to go? How long until my next internal check? Just be in the moment. We had music playing. You can't take flames in because of like the oxygen machines and stuff. So you can take... um, those like plug-in diffusers so we had our essential oils burning in that um they were the main things Mm. we kind of did but yeah the turning the clock around we didn't have to do it for goldies I felt like I could because I'd done it before that I could zone in on myself but I think for the first one it's it's just all so new and you're in this stark white hospital room and I was just like I, just, I think that's a great I, idea. I, I don't want to be able to watch that because when you're in labor you have no concept of time you know the husband's stone cold cold sober and and oh. and has can feel every minute whereas I think that you know when you're in labor sometimes an hour will go really fast and sometimes another hour will go really slow and the concept of time is so different but anyway moving along poppy's birth was meant to be the quick one yeah so i said that at about 11 11 30 the contractions were starting to get really bitey yeah and then at about 10 to 2 things were getting quite intense and i remember saying to the midwife you're gonna have to check me to see how many centimetres I am because if I'm not very far along, I'm going to need an epidural, like I'm reaching the end of being able to deal with this. And so she checked me and she said, you're five centimetres dilated. Really? And I remember, no, I was shattered. Were you? Yeah, oh, I, I was really shattered because we'd been going for about five hours, three of them to me quite intense and I turned to her and I said, we're going to still be here for quite some time, aren't we? And she said, yeah, look, it's hard to say, but because it's your first, you're probably around halfway. So I said, I've probably got three off, three to five hours to go, don't I? And she said, look, probably. And I said, you're going to have to get me an epidural. I can't do this much longer. And Nick turned to me and we'd learnt from the calm birthing course oh often when women are going through that transition phase so the phase of being fully dilated before you push they start you know requesting cesareans cut cut me open or they start requesting epidurals when it's not something that they've you know spoken of before and I turned to him and I said oh fucking transitioning I'm five centimeters like (laughs) I'm not transitioning and the lady's like, so the midwife said, so you want me to call the anaesthetist? And I said, yeah, let's just start getting the wheels in motion because who knows how long it'll take for him him or her to come. So she stepped out of the room and literally the second she stepped out of the room, my entire body changed and I had a complete involuntary over full body feeling to push. And Nick looked at me and I looked at him and I said, I'm pushing. And so he hit the button on the wall. And but instead <laughs> the of it being the button. well, it wasn't quite the emergency one. It was like the staff assist. Oh, so yeah. when you're just about to have your baby or when the midwife needs more midwives yeah. in there, you press that. And literally five midwives appeared out of the ground like meerkats. <laughs> and they were like, Sorry. and my midwife came running back in. She goes, What happened? I just left. And I said, I'm pushing. And she goes, Oh. I don't think you can be pushing. Maybe Bub's position has just changed and you've felt a really different sensation. 
And I said, okay, but to me it felt like what I would imagine pushing would feel like. And so she's in the corner and she goes, okay, I'll just wait a second and then I'll try and get onto the anaesthetist again. And I said, okay. And I had my next contraction and she looked at me and she goes, you do sound like you're pushing. And I said, I know I do. And she came over and checked me again and she said, I can feel your baby's head. You're about to have your baby. So they called my obstetrician. (laughs) And he, lucky he was he he operates and consults in the same building, so he, he was there, was there pretty quickly. And he kind of walks into the room and says, um, "Oh, I'm just going to quickly get changed into scrubs." And the midwife said, "You are absolutely <laughs> not. This baby is nearly out." And yeah, I pushed for less than thirty minutes with Poppy, and she was born at. 2.22 p.m. on the 22nd of the 2nd. Oh, a little pop. Yeah, little pops. And, yeah, so I was 5 centimetres at 10 to 2 and she was born at 2.22. Wow. So one thing I will say is do not even in your – I understand why they check you and why they follow your progression, but it's not – it's not any kind of equation. It doesn't really mean anything. Because you can um, go from zero to I was, zero. Yeah, I was so seconds. disheartened when she told me I was only five centimetres and, you know, even if I'd wanted an epidural, there wasn't time to get one. And to, to be honest, when she heard me pushing and she checked me and said, I can feel baby's head, she said, I'm sorry, but I don't think we're going to have time to get the epidural. And I said, oh. Fuck the epidural. Yeah. I don't care about the epidural now. now. That was only if this was going to go for another five hours. And I don't know if I'm a sicko and if you agree, but yes, I don't I mind the agree. pushing. Yeah, because you know you're nearly there. And you, you can feel the progression. You can feel them descending. I mean, I'm, I've never had to push for two, two hours straight, so I feel like someone who maybe had to push for that long is going to be like, uh, yeah, okay, because you had to push for a total of 20 minutes. <laughs> That was Goldie doing the shit. (laughs) And then even the burning ring of fire is awful at the time, but at least you're about to meet your baby. So then as soon as. I disagree. That was the most fuckedest (laughs) feeling of my life. I could do the contractions and I could go through all that, but to go through that burning ring of fire when the head is coming through, my eyes felt like they were popping out of my brain and I I was beside myself. How long did you push for in yours? Or was it the same for all three? No, because two of them were epidurals. So Billy was a natural without anything. And yeah. that was the, that was the easiest birth, but the, the most painful birth. Right. Because yeah. of that. But yeah. I was also up and at it and ready to go out after a second. Yeah, I was really conscious when I was pushing that I was aware that things were moving really fast. So I made sure I really listened to the obstetrician and the midwife and they were telling me, you know, when to breathe, when to push, because every fibre in your body wants to push, but when they're like, you can't push, you know that means if you push, you're going to split from A to B. So I was very... And that's what it does mean because I actually never knew when they say don't push, I just thought they were being assholes. Yeah. But they do... No, they're just looking after your asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And that is what they're doing because... Just explain that if you push at the wrong time, what that can do. 
Yeah, so basically it increases your risk of tearing, especially if things have happened fast because you think, you know, I'm pretty sure, but your vagina needs time to stretch to allow room for that head. So if things are going really, really quickly and you push when or in a spot that you're not meant to be, I believe that increases your risk of tearing. So that's why they tell you to to breathe at certain points rather than push, which yep. was, yeah, really important for me. So when I had Poppy, I did have a small tear. I think I had a first-degree tear and just needed two stitches, so nothing major considering I was basically in active labour with her for just under three and a half hours. So and that was the pretty stitches fast don't hurt first. after you give, like after, when they do your afterbirth, it's like no. the last oh, thing. Oh, God, no, yeah. no, no, no. No, absolutely not. Or like when they say, oh, now your placenta's going to come. And I was I was like, oh, no, it's going to happen all over again. And then she's like, yeah. I was like, a, a, a head and a body just came out of there like a, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Do your damnedest. The placenta takes it for mine that was like. And kilos. Oh, yours is massive. Like, give them birth again. They called Goldie's placenta beautiful. They said it was one of oh, the nicest placentas I've seen. I've got a photo of it. It's really beautiful. Oh, well done, Goldie. Um, yeah, and so we didn't know what we were having, so they placed her up onto my chest, but we forgot for about five minutes to even check what her gender was because oh. I think I was so relieved that she was fine, I was fine. It was almost like a gender just didn't matter or seem important and then they said to check and it was poppy oh so they didn't like go it's a girl no they after a few minutes the midwife turned to us and said didn't you say you didn't know what you were having and i said oh yeah oh that's so sweet (laughs) and then so nick checked and was like it's a girl so yeah so it was it was it, it was intense at the time but it was an amazing birth and you know, it was induced and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's not possible to, not that there's anything wrong with an epidural at all, but a lot of people think that if you get induced, well, then you're definitely going to need an epidural and that's not necessarily the case. Mm. So, yeah, I really want to get rid of that stigma on induction births because I had an amazing birth. So, yeah. And with Little Miss Goldie, mm-hmm. tell us about that. Getting pregnant with her or her birth? Both. Getting pregnant. Yeah, so we... Um, and I, I just want to know the age gap between Poppy and Goldie and your thoughts on that. We'll start from... Okay, so we have tried, we have tried for about an hour to record this podcast, this episode, and every time we press record, Goldie wakes up and screams or does a shit or pretty much just wants us to not do it. Do not talk about my birth story is what she's, she's saying. She's, like, literally the cruziest baby. I've been bragging about her to Jade and then Jade comes over to do this and she will not sleep. Anyway. Anyway, we're going to keep going past it. So but We're, we're going to be transparent. This has not been easy to record. No. Jade's been here for, oh, two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll start from conception. Of, ja- of Jade. Of, of Jade. Goldie. When did you yeah. give birth to me? <laughs> We made the decision that we were ready to go again when Poppy was about 14 months. I had just weaned Poppy off the boob and I thought, great, I'll have a little bit of time with my body, just my own. We'll start trying, but it maybe it'll take about the same amount of time that it took for Poppy. Nope, first month pregnant. Oh. So I had two weeks of not breastfeeding and not being pregnant. <laughs> 
but I just thought it was funny that I had this grand plan of this time for me and I was going to do me some time. wild girls weekends <laughs> yeah. and anyway, they never happened. So we got pregnant and I'm very grateful that it happened so were quickly you sick, and it wasn't stressful. Were you sick day one? <laughs> no. Oh. So I wasn't, I hadn't been sick at all by the time I went in for my dating scan. So I was anxious as mm. all hell. So I felt very similar to how I felt the first time. And with Goldie, her the pregnancy test didn't show up positive for about seven or eight days after I was due for my period, which mm. was really weird. So I don't know if I had a weird cycle that month or what, but then I didn't feel sick as well. So I actually, until we'd had a normal dating scan, was pretty sure that something was wrong because I didn't feel sick. The dates were weird. Yeah, anyway, but we went for the dating scan and everything was normal. And pretty soon after that, I started feeling sick. Yeah. And, but never, ever as bad as with Poppy. So I want to say if you had a shocking first pregnancy, you might be like Jay. All three may be horrible. <laughs> or you might be like me where the second one's slightly bearable. But it's Russian roulette because by the time you know, it's too late. <laughs> yeah, you cannot go back. So, yeah. So, no, this pregnancy was a lot better. I would say it's so much harder being pregnant and having a child. And in hindsight, I look back and that 18-month mark that Poppy was at when I was in my first trimester is actually a very difficult time anyway. Mm. So th- there's just so much learning and they're so busy and they're full on, but they can't really tell you what they want yet. So I think I thought that that time was really difficult because I was pregnant, but, but I actually look back now and it was such a busy time anyway, even if I hadn't have been pregnant. I would say this time I had more classic morning sickness where I would wake up in the morning and first thing I would vomit. Every now and again, I would vomit at other parts throughout the day, mm. um, but it wasn't an all day, every day, nonstop yeah. vomiting bonanza like with Poppy. I would say this time I felt more changes in my mental health. I definitely had, I think, some a little bit of antenatal depression or you something. You mentioned at the that start. to me. Yeah, I um, really lost my for the, at around, especially the eight to ten week kind of mark. I I really lost a lot of the enjoyment of hanging out with Poppy, which was so weird because. I I think she's an absolute joy and even if she wasn't having a naughty day I just didn't enjoy being with her and then I would feel really really guilty about not enjoying being with her and then just a vicious cycle would continue but luckily by the time I got to the second trimester that had really that kind of fog had really lifted and I was back to enjoying things oh I literally all day I would I would have been happy if someone had just let me like lie in bed in a dark room do you think that um you had anxiety and guilt regarding the age gap between the two not at all there was no anxiety around having another baby it because that's what you know, a lot of people would say when I'd say, oh, I just feel so anxious all day long. And they would say, oh, are you anxious about the prospect of having two kids? And it was not at all related to that. I haven't, you know, towards the end of the pregnancy, I had a couple, like I can talk about them, a couple of little guilt things and a couple of things as I was you, worried about, which do. are normal. But no, at the start, it was never like, oh God, why did we do this? It's going to be too hard type thing. It was a real like, out of my control, not even really sure what I'm anxious about. There's no solution to this anxiety Mm. because I don't know what it is Mm. type feeling. But I could see at that age that Poppy was learning so much. So I felt really comfortable with the age gap that we'd kind of 
chosen. So we, she was conceived when we were 14, when Poppy was 14 months. So the due date for her and when Goldie was born is 23 months apart. So one month mm-hmm. off being two years. Um, So, we, yeah, we were really happy with that age gap because we could see that, you know, Poppy was learning heaps. We knew that in the nine months it was going to take to cook Goldie, that her comprehension was only going to get better and better. And, no, it was never about that. I never had worries about that, mm. which is funny. Mm. It is funny. Yeah. Towards the end of the pregnancy I was really iron deficient again and I tried to take iron supplements for that but they made me really really sick so I'd been feeling great and then all of a sudden I was told oh you're actually really iron deficient and then so I started tablets and then I felt shocking (laughs) and I was like ah this isn't working so I got an iron infusion again which was great and that takes two weeks takes about two weeks to work but I never felt as shocking as I felt last time whereas last time I could kind of really feel when it was starting to take effect whereas this time I didn't feel as bad so it wasn't as big a change and I think that with iron deficiency you can get it mixed up with just feeling sluggish being in your last trimester and being tired and thinking it's just a pregnancy Mm. um, symptom like I did yeah it's really important to make sure that you are getting these levels checked because well, I thought it was routine to have these levels checked around 28 weeks or something it absolutely is however when I got my results back with Yumi in that trimester at 28 weeks and they said that oh you're low take some tablets Mm -hmm. it wasn't enough for me oh and it never got rechecked it never got rechecked so if you are low really make sure it gets rechecked it gets rechecked so you know you don't get into because I think a lot of the time tablets aren't sufficient and you end up needing an infusion it's actually funny that we're talking about iron infusions because when I was about 14 weeks pregnant I went to my obstetrician and I said please I felt so tired and I said to my obstetrician please 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 check my iron I think I'm severely iron deficient again and I wanted it to be that so bad Mm. because I was like then I can go get an infusion and I'll feel so much better and he checked it and it was plumb normal. And he goes to me, I'm sorry, I think it's just being pregnant with a toddler and oh, there's no, there's nothing is. I can give you to solve that. And an iron infusion is basically you lay in a bed at the hospital, yeah. they put a drip in. drip in and it's a slow release of iron into your arm, yeah. um, which and nowadays said, it takes two weeks to go in. Nowadays it took two weeks to take effect. <laughs> you're not, oh, yeah, no, sorry, you're not there for two weeks. It takes two weeks to actually take effect. Nice. I know. Um, no, yeah, and it only takes about 15 minutes nowadays, whereas back in the day it used to be a really long infusion yeah. and the risks used to be higher, but nowadays they're not as high. But anyway, yeah, so that was all. Yeah, I would say that this pregnancy went a lot smoother and then towards the end I found out that my obstetrician was going to be away when I was due. Mm. I know some people will think this is silly and disagree, but I have really formed a good relationship with my obstetrician and I trust him and I know his experience. And it's not Dr. Timmy. It's not my dad, God, no. And so I made the decision that I wanted to be induced before he went away. So he was going away for a week. So by the time he got back, I would have been, I think, nearly like 41 weeks pregnant. 
and I'm, I, everyone's entitled to their opinion on this, but I didn't want to go overdue. So yeah, I decided to get induced at 39 weeks before my obstetrician went away. And this time, because I'd had such a fast, I don't want to say easy, because I don't think any birth is easy, but uncomplicated delivery with Poppy. I thought I'll go in, I'll get the gel, I'll go into labor overnight and that's all I'll need. And bam, I'll have had my baby by the morning because I didn't want to have the drip again. I wanted to give the water a go. I didn't want to be hooked up. I didn't want Nick to have to follow me with the IV trolley around the room as I decided what position (laughs) was less uncomfortable than the position before. (laughs) So I went in with much the same. We went in. To be honest, with the second one, it was actually, I know that childbirth shouldn't be convenient, but it was quite convenient. Both of Nick and my families live in Melbourne. So we knew that when I was going into labour, like our families were going to be here to look after Poppy, which is a really nice thought mm. when it's your second child. There's, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of emotions around leaving your child to go and have another child. And I would say the only time that guilt or anxiety came in was towards the end. I started to feel like, oh my God, Poppy's going to come into the hospital and see us with a new baby and she's going to hate us. And she's going to hate us for, you know, mm. t- taking away attention from herself. And my husband would always, remind me he would say the reason we decided to have another child so quickly well relatively quickly is because we wanted her to learn that she's not the only person in the world and unfortunately for her to learn that she has to she's going to have uncomfortable moments where she's not getting the attention she used to have and so I would try and remind myself because only children are spoiled brat <laughs> like jade and not and very very reasonable <laughs> no but um but no i'm not saying that you think you're the only person in the world no but Maybe i, just I, the only I agree with room. you no i totally shut up i'm talking i <laughs> agree with you because it is it is it's a really good thing for them to share and yeah. to understand time sharing yeah. and yeah everything it's, yeah it's very important yeah but I did I was I was quite emotional when I was going into hospital and I swear Poppy sensed something that day we took her around to my mum's house and we played with her there she just turned on the I swear the cutest act she's ever turned on and I'm sitting there every time I looked at her or made eye contact with her I would just burst into tears oh. <laughs> and it got to the point that I said to Nick I said we just have to go rip the band because we we just have to leave just get this underway and we live in New South Wales but the hospital I delivered at is in Queensland because they're one side of the border and we're one side of the border and I mucked up the time we rocked up an hour early (laughs) and they were like someone's keen to have a baby and I was like oh I mucked up the time and I just needed to I just needed to leave Poppy because it was making me too emotional and I was really really excited when we went in I've been asked a lot about you know any fears about going into it the second time and it's probably because I did have such a good labor the first time but I I did not have any fears around this labor I actually made sure even going into the first one that I really rid myself of fears of childbirth and I didn't let anyone tell me their gruesome tale of childbirth I tried to listen you know I listened to Australian birth stories a lot and I tried to listen to to births kind of that I wanted um and I'm not downplaying any other birth and I've listened to a lot of those births since but just especially at that last part of pregnancy it didn't it yeah it didn't do anything positive for me to to listen to any scary tales of childbirth I know that they exist and could have happened to me and have happened to others but I just 
didn't need to listen to that at the time and I would I would 100% recommend to people who are pregnant, especially the first time, when friends and family try and tell you their awful birth stories, just politely say, I'm sorry, but this story doesn't serve me well currently. Once I've had my child, I'm more than happy to listen to this and for you to vent this on to you me. Need but to right stay in now, a, in a, in a positive yeah, mindset. Right now isn't the right no. time for that. So yeah, I didn't actually have any fears going into the first birth and I definitely didn't have any fears going into the second birth. Yeah. So we went in and I, much the same as last time, I got the gel at four o'clock and 10 o'clock. And at about 2.30 in the morning, I woke up and was having quite regular, but mild control contractions and I thought here we go this is gonna you know continue to increase and we're gonna have our baby from here and they were absolutely fine though like I could doze doze off in between them I just asked Nick to like rub my back a little bit while I was having them but they weren't painful at all by the morning they hadn't picked up at all they were still just really mild so they made the decision to still break my waters so my waters were broken around seven in the morning and they decided because it was my second and because I'd been having some contractions overnight they said we're going to give you a few hours to just see if you can get going on your own and yeah they broke my waters and the first few contractions after they broke my waters were really good like they were proper effective painful contractions that I was hoping for and then they just stopped they start they went to about 10 minutes in between each one and I was like damn and my midwife Claire said why don't you go have a walk up and down the fire stairs do some sideways mm. steps to try and get things <laughs> so moving I just again. got a visual of you doing that <laughs> I have a video of it I'll show you yes. it's so funny in my like kind of pajamas like going up and down these stairs and people were using the fire stairs like the doctors and nurses in the hospital were using the fire stairs to get to and from so it didn't actually work for me I felt like I was on show I didn't feel like I was in a safe mm. my safe comfortable space anymore so they dropped off completely when I went there and they didn't work for me but one of the funniest things was when we were walking towards the fire stairs the lady who um runs the maternity ward said to us oh guys just to let you know as a fundraiser for the bushfires we're, we're doing a sausage sizzle down in the courtyard from 9 30 oh to 2 God. <laughs> really and Nick turned to her and goes oh I think we might be a bit busy then. And I turned to her and I said, oh, look, I'll just I'll just make a, a, a <laughs> donation. <laughs> I don't need the sausage sizzle, but I'll make a donation after I've given birth. And so that was actually really funny because the rest of the labour, we used that as like a, you know, Nick, Nick was like, come on, we've got to make it to the sausage sizzle. What are you doing? And, you know, if I was getting a bit down, like we would use <laughs> yeah. it as a joke. So it was good. It was good. Anyway, so I came back and I was back in the room and I tried to get back into my headspace to get the the contractions going again and they never really kind of picked up again and they were still mild and very bearable and a bit irregular. So we made the decision at like 9.30ish that I was going to get get the infusion started. By then I was just like, you know what, I'm ready to is get that, things moving. Is that the, the drip? The drip. Okay. Yeah, I was like, I'm ready to get things moving. I'm ready to meet this baby. Like yeah. things have just been kind of like plodding along for a really long time. We started the infusion at 10 a.m. Literally, like they started off on such a low dose and literally as soon as it started, it was like I'd had a sniff of it. So you just needed a kickstart. 
we literally should have just wet a towel in it and I probably <laughs> could have sniffed it and things would have been sweet. But as soon as the contraction started, I felt like I needed to push. And my midwife said, to, like, you know, like she, it's, she, I felt believed by her from the start. But, you know, I was saying to her, I was like, is this what they describe as posterior? Because I have this sensation really, really low to push, but I can't be ready to push. Like, I think I, I think I was three centimeters at this stage. No, no, I hadn't been checked at this stage, but I hadn't really had any kind of effective contractions to be, you know, mm. going along. And yeah, I had this real sensation to push. And she said, no, look, if you're posterior, I feel like you would feel it more in your back. She's like, do you feel much in your back? And I was like, no, it's not in my back at all. It's just really low and really pushy. And Nick said, yeah, she's making the exact same noises that she made, you know, the rest of the time I would just breathe mm. through contractions. But she's Nick was like, she's making the same moaning sounds she made when she suddenly started pushing last time. My midwife said, okay, great. Well, I'll check you. Anyway, she said, I, I don't want, um, if it's not a number that I think you're going to want to hear, I'm not going to tell you the number. If it's something that I think you'll want to hear, then I'll tell you. Anyway, she checked me and she looked at me and she said, look, you have progressed. I'm not going to tell you the number, but you have progressed, but it's not time to be pushing. So I was like, okay. And then, you know, you start your mind games where I go, oh my God, yuck, I'm going to have this disgusting sensation to push for however long this goes for. And it was, you know, that that feeling of wanting to push but not being allowed to push is gross. And I was like, damn, she's just checked me and it's a number I don't want to hear. And I think about half an hour or so later my obstetrician came up to check on me and I'd been having this, this feeling the whole time and I think I'd been having a couple of funny traces on the machine. So he checked me too and he turned to my midwife and said, oh, did you say that she was six centimetres when you checked her? And my midwife said, no, no, she was three centimetres when I checked her. And he goes, oh, well, she's at least six now. And how long was that? It had been like half an hour since she'd checked me or something. He goes, okay, well, I'll expect a call from you soon. And my midwife turned to him and goes, oh, just a reminder that last time Sophie was in labour, she went from five centimetres to having delivered the baby in 20 minutes. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Like, I'll expect a call from you soon. And as soon as he walked out, my husband goes to her, were you implying that he should maybe stay in the room? <laughs> and he and she didn't want me. I don't think she wanted me to hear because no. she didn't want me to get my hopes up yeah. too much. But, you know, I was, like, trying to listen. I was, mm. like, where are we at here? Mm. And I would say I used a different position this time that my midwife taught me and it was so, so good. So we had the bed really, really high and I stood on one side of the bed and Nick, my husband, stood on the other side of the bed and I had my elbows on the bed and Nick had his elbows on the bed and I grabbed his hands and like pulled against his hands with my bum going back. I don't know if that makes sense. And then the midwife stood behind me and put pressure into my lower back. Mm -hmm. And that really, really worked well. And she goes, just lightly kick me if you want me to get off. And I was like, no, you stay there. That feels so good. But it was, yeah, it was like I could put pressure into his hands, but because he was leaning forward, he was kind of supported. I reckon it's like gravity. Like if you're going against. You just need something to be, to have tension against almost. And it was a really good position. And then I also spent a a bit of other time. We lowered the bed and I did the same thing, but I was on my knees as well. But they had to put this like spongy mat underneath 
to me because they were like, we know about you and you all of a sudden <laughs> birth babies. So we don't want the baby to like fall onto the ground. So um, they put this spongy mat under me. Anyway, literally, I think the obstetrician would have had time to get to the lift. I hadn't even had time to really get off my back yet from him having done an internal, like I was still on my back. Wow. It just got really intense. And I think, I think something about me changed and my midwife went down the end and she's like, we can see ahead. And so they rapidly called him back and they were like, you need to come back now. And he came back and I pushed for six minutes. No, you didn't. <laughs> yep. But not pushed the whole time. Like they were, they, oh, my midwife, my obstetrician was so good at being clear about breathe now, push mm. now breathe into this spot now, make mm. this noise. They were so clear. And because I had, I was feeling quite overwhelmed by this point because things like I'd started. So by the time Goldie was born, we'd started the infusion an hour and a half before that. Mm. So I'd been in labor for an hour and a half. That's all. So that's a lot to happen in such a short amount of time. And so it was so good that they were so clear and I was able to listen and yeah, she was born extremely fast, but luckily, like, I think I had a small graze. I didn't need any stitches, but I think that if they hadn't have been so clear, that could have been yeah. different because it really did happen so fast. And yeah, it was, I could not believe it. So I could have gone to the sausage sizzle if I wanted. <laughs> I'm glad that's what you thought about. Um, that's literally one of the first things Nick said because the lady who'd made the sausage sizzle remark was one of the midwives who'd, you know, they get a couple of extra people yeah. in. Actually, when I had her, there was an extra midwife in there. There was a midwifery student and there was a medical student all there. And, like, as the obstetrician walked in, he said, oh, you know, are you happy if there's a medical student here or they can wait outside? And I was like, mm, whatever, yes. I don't care. Bring the whole yeah. fucking circus the in. I don't care. Yeah, bring, bring everyone. <laughs> I didn't actually lay eyes on the medical student until she was, like, out and on my chest. And I just, like, looked up and he was there and I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Because I hadn't been able to, like, even open my eyes or focus on, like, honestly, I could not have cared who was in there. No. I was like, I can't even focus on the room. I don't care. And then I opened my eyes and I was like, yo, everybody. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was very funny when she was born and my obstetrician turned to me and he goes, you're a birther. He goes, you should have 10 kids. You're a birther. <laughs> That's not what you want to hear after you've given birth, though. No, honestly, I was so euphoric. I would have. Oh. I mean, I, if you'd asked me if I wanted to go through labour again right then, I would have said no. But I had such a rush of. Yeah. It was it, that feeling after for Poppy and Goldie were very, very similar. And Nick actually videoed both. When I saw the start of Goldie's one, I just thought it was the video from Poppy's. I literally look exactly the same. And, yeah, she was passed up onto my chest straight away. She was just covered in so much vernix, which is all that gooey white stuff that's the best moisturiser in the world. Um, she was just covered in it and she has ha had and has way more hair than Poppy when she was born and... And she was actually 500 grams heavier than Poppy was when she was born. So to me, she looked so chunky and big, yeah. but she was actually only three and a half kilos. Like she's a very normal size child. But I was like, oh my God, she's so chunky and beautiful. And, and what's her full name? Goldie Gloria Pierce. I love it. Thank you. So beautiful. Yeah. So we love Goldie. And then Gloria was 
Nick's mum's mum's name and she was an extremely stylish lady who had a good amount of sass and attitude and yeah um so named after her and we like like we liked the alliteration of poppy pierce but we didn't want all that we didn't want to be like the kardashians and have all our children starting with P. So we were like, oh, it's still alliteration. And then, like, when she's older, if she wants to be called Gigi, she can. Um, Or she can just be called called Goldie. And, and yeah, they passed her up and we forgot to check her gender again and they said, check the gender. And Nick looked down and you know how, like, their genitals are very swollen and he's like, it's a girl. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a girl. And she's very much a girl. Okay. <laughs> um, but he's like, the umbilical cord was in the way too. And I was like, oh, God, you probably thought it was two balls and a penis or something. Uh, yeah, and it was amazing. And, um, yeah, I f- truly feel as though as much as at the time it felt very overwhelming because no one tells you at the time, oh, you're only going to be in this state for an hour and a half. Like it did feel very intense, mm. but I just wish someone at the start said, you only have to do this for an hour and a half and you'll be sweet. But, it, yeah, things went as well as could possibly go and I feel like that's really translated into my first two weeks of being her mother because I only had to wear an ice pack in my undies one yeah things have been really really good so did you do anything with your placenta no we didn't actually we haven't kept I would have taken it and put it under my mango tree oh I didn't do it with mine and I could have made a massive, massive tree out of mine. Yeah. It would have flourished. Yeah. But um, would have taken over the house from the looks of yours. Yeah. Yeah, no, we didn't do anything with it. We took photos of it. They said it was a very beautiful placenta, but I, I'm not drawn towards wanting to eat mine or encapsulate mine or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. That's not, not my thing, but that's absolutely fine if you did. We did delayed cord clamping because I wasn't bleeding that much and that's in most hospitals I believe nowadays like generally routine so how did you introduce poppy yeah I was quite I was quite conscious about that actually like making trying to make it as good of an experience as it could possibly be and a couple of people I know have had their second babies around the same time as me so I did message them and ask you know is there anything that's worked for you hasn't worked for you um because I really did want to make it a nice experience and a bit of advice someone had given us was maybe make sure when the older child comes in for the first time just lay the new baby on their own so don't have the baby in in your arms or in your partner's arms just have them laying on their own so there can kind of be as little jealousy as possible and I think that was really nice so I my mum and dad brought Poppy in they had shown Poppy pictures of Goldie already Goldie uh, Poppy had had a bit of a cough the day before so we waited until like the second day anyway for her to meet her they'd shown her pictures but she just kept pointing at it and going oh Poppy Poppy (laughs) and Mum was like, no, no, that's the baby. That's it's not just you anymore. Yeah, it's not just you anymore. <laughs> and anyway, so she came in and we had her, we just made sure they told us before she was coming in and we just had her swaddled and laying on the bed, gave her her own time to go up to her. And yeah, she was really, really sweet with her and just named all her body parts over and over oh, that's again. So beautiful. And she kind of, in that first meeting, just kind of flicked between being really, really obsessed to complete disinterest yeah. back and forth many times. And then we did a couple of other things where we bought her like a book from her favourite series and a, and a snack that's her favourite snack 
because there weren't too much to lug in and out of the hospital, took them in and said, oh, this is a present from Goldie. And so she thought that was the best. She's like, Goldie knows my favourite snack. That's awesome. And then when we came home, we had a present here, like a a doll's high chair here that was a bit of a bigger gift from Goldie. And then it meant that, you know, when I'm feeding, she can feed her doll in the high chair type thing. I think that was a really nice nice transition. I I remember when Mia came to see Billy for the first time mm. and she was 16 months old and just started walking. Mum and Dad, bought, or it might have just been Mum that brought her in and she waddled in. She went straight up to me, ripped open my shirt and goes, where is it? And I was like, what? Baby. And looks in the little crib, looks at her and then goes, mm. okay, Mimi, let's go. Literally just wanted to leave so yeah. disinterested, but then yeah. we did the same thing. I think the gift thing, we actually gave her a little baby of yeah. her own. Yeah. And I said, when I wrap my baby up, you can wrap yeah. your baby up. And my girls are the biggest doll fans. Oh, well, so it's poppy. They're yeah. currently now walking around with their new reborn dolls. Like, you <laughs> know. Freaky ass, oh, by it's freaky Oh, it's so scary. Scares the crap out of me. <laughs> I honestly feel like I'm tripping over Yumi and it's a doll. Yeah, it's a really great idea yeah. to do something yeah. like that to yeah. make them feel comfortable yeah. and connected and that was a good idea not to have the baby in your yeah, arms exactly. so they don't feel like, oh. And I think that I think that whoever brings your child in don't have it necessarily someone who's meeting the baby for the first time who's going to want to hang around for a while because, oh, and actually we, our friend came and took photos for us so Poppy had been there for a while before our friend even got there and then we wanted photos with Poppy and honestly half an hour is enough for them to be there Mm. in a hospital room. Poppy just wanted to run around. You know, she got over it really, really quickly. So I would say whoever's bringing them, just pre-warn them that it might be a very much in and out Mm. situation and then maybe if you bring them back the next day, they can stay for a bit longer. Another great thing that we did that we found really worked for us um, and it was funny, my dad actually told us that, it was something really important when I was born that they did with my older brother that you go home together as a family. So my parents brought Poppy in when we were leaving the hospital and we put Poppy in her car seat and we put Goldie in her capsule and we all drove home as a family, arrived home together rather than Poppy already being there and the, and us rocking up with this new baby or Poppy arriving home and there's this new baby in her place. And I think that was really nice. It was really nice for well, Nick so- and I as well, like travelling home as a family, you know, 30 kilometres an hour down the <laughs> highway, thinking everyone <laughs> with else. With your hazards on. Oh, yeah, thinking everyone and else is. baby a- on board sticker. No, everyone else is a hooligan. Yeah. You're like, why are they driving so aggressively? And you're like, they're just merging to get off the next exit. And that was really, really nice. And I think that. that's a also a beautiful idea because she's opening the door to her house yeah. and introducing her little yeah. sibling to her yeah, yeah. exactly oh, so that was idea. really nice and how's breastfeeding been it's been really good i found it I, I never had any real issues the first time or the second time i don't know if goldie's a slightly better feeder or if it's just i'm more practiced and find it easier to latch her on and that kind of thing. I was surprised how much engorgement hurt still the second time. Mm. I thought that I was going to get through that a bit easier than I did. But, yeah, I both times, I don't know if it's because I have naturally 
barely any boobs, but both times I have found that incredibly painful and just so firm. But then this time it eased up so much and so quickly that I had one night where I actually thought that my milk had completely stopped. Mm. And it was a night that Goldie was cluster feeding a bit in the evening and I turned to Nick and I said, they're so soft. You know, the day before they'd been rock hard Pamela Anderson implants and then I was like, they're so soft. I think that they've just stopped completely. And I even spoke to the child health nurse about it yesterday and she said, it's funny you say that. That can be, well, it's not funny, but that can be a turning point for a lot of women in their second, third babies is that the engorgement resolves so quickly that they are sure they don't have any milk. And if their baby's being a bit fussy, they say, oh, we're just going to have to give them a bottle. And often that can be a turning point for them. And she said, it's actually your body just knows so much more what to do Isn't the second time. So don't, don't, don't worry. There's milk in there. And I was like, that is just amazing. Yeah. Just like that. The, another thing that shocked me this time was how much worse the afterbirth pains were. So if you mm. haven't had a baby, their contraction, that's your uterus contracting down after you've had a baby. It's, it's a good thing. It's to stop the bleeding, but it, it tends to get worse with every baby you have. And this time they were so bad. I would like not look forward to going feeding. feeding, not because of my boobs or my nipples or anything. It was purely because my uterus would be so sore and I would lie there in bed and I would say to Nick, you have to just like dig your thumbs into my lower back because oh. it was just aching and I was joking with another friend she said yeah the second and third time she goes I didn't have an epidural for the birth but I all honestly yeah. wanted to ask for it for the afterbirth I pains. I said that with the third to my friend Amy who was next door I said that the worst pain for me is the afterbirth pains <laughs> because uh, especially the third child she disagrees it wasn't as um, bad for her but for me personally I had that pain every time I went to feed, yeah, yeah, my uterus would contract. I'd get this gush of blood just and go, it's this drag. Oh, it is anyway, it is what it is. I get Voltaren actually. I did actually, yeah, I, I would, asked, I yeah, had to. I took Voltaren the first couple of days. I was just asking for it when I needed it. It's, it's a very, but, it's just an icky feeling. Icky is exactly yeah. it. It's and you, you're like, am I about to just lapse back into labour again? Because yeah. I'm not I'm not ready to go there yet. But you feel empty, so it's not like that. Yeah. It is. It's a very odd feeling. It's really weird. And it's something that no one had really talked to no. me about before. And actually some midwives in there said, oh, yeah, like when women used to complain about afterbirth pains, I'd be a bit like, oh, yeah, 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 take some Panadol, take some Voltaren, you know, you've just gone through labour. And they go, it wasn't until I'd had... I don't know if it was their first baby or maybe con consecutive babies after that, and they were like, I get it. Because some women, by their third or fourth, they end up on pethidine, which yeah. is like an opiate because it, their pains are so bad. <laughs> but it doesn't last. It, doesn't, it only lasts for like three or four days and yeah. got better each day. And I'd just say if you have it really bad, just try and keep up the Panadol and Veltaren regularly rather than just taking it when you need it because when you need it, it's too, too late. late. Yeah. Yeah. And how has it been going from one child to two? 
It's been good so far. I've actually been really surprised and I think a lot of that comes down to how little complications I needed to recover from from the birth. You know, it was really quick. I felt really... I feel like you went home and then like went out shopping like in (laughs) 24 hours. I was like, slow down. No, so I understand there's a real movement nowadays to taking it easy after birth and you know, staying home for the first 40 days and getting people to do things for you. And I totally respect that. And I've definitely taken it more easy this time than I did with Poppy. When I had Poppy, I was like, I feel good. I want to show off my baby. I'm doing this, this and that. I'm showing her off to this person. I'll meet you at that cafe, all this stuff. This time I've definitely been taking it easier, but I'm someone, I enjoy being productive. I enjoy doing things. Um, and so for me, I don't, I don't want to stay in my house for 40 days. I, I don't want to do that. I, I don't. Especially with a toddler. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But even if someone was taking Poppy out every single day, like I, it's just not what I'm I want to do. And, you know, I, I want fresh air. I want to go for walks. I want to go to the beach even if I can't swim. Mm. I want to do those things. And I'm not going to do anything that I don't want to do. Mm. But, yeah, and, I, and I, I don't. I like, you know, when people drop me around food or cook for me but I don't actually need like come mop my floor sure but like I'm, I'm, ha- your floor. I, I'm happy to- <laughs> you're not mopping your own I'm here floor. on work all right <laughs> but you know I'm happy to put the washing you know I'm happy to do yeah. those things and I've actually found myself more productive and kind of efficient with my time since having Goldie because I think I'm in my mind like okay you're a mum of two now don't yeah. waste time leaving your laundry to be wet and smelly and then you have to put it back on again like if you're going to put the washing on know that you've put it on and then go hang it out and yeah and but I totally understand that two weeks after birth some people are still very much recovering and aren't able to leave the house or don't want to leave the house and that's fine too like I know I'm in a really lucky position that I've recovered quickly I haven't taken them out and about on my own yet mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm scared mm-hmm. Because Poppy's in a real running phase. I got them both ready on my own yesterday to go to the hospital for Pop- for Goldie's checkup appointment. But Nick met us there from work. So well, that's still a big that, that, uh, No, that was actually a real tick. Getting yeah. all three of us dressed, looking presentable, fed and out the door on time. I was like, you've done it. Good. Well done. And we went to the beach the other day for the first time with the four of us. And I don't know how I will ever do that on my own because we could barely carry all the things <laughs> as two adults. But, you know, we'll, we'll cut down the amount of things that we feel necessary to take My to the husband beach does and... this every week. He's like, we just don't need all this shit. We just, all we need is a couple of towels and this. And I said, if we did what you, well, you need an umbrella. That's the thing. Of course you do. And you need some, like you need. All the snacks. You do. Otherwise your children get down there. Mom, I'm hungry. Yeah. No, no, you've just had breakfast. Yeah. Just, you have to prepare yourself. Yeah. And to be prepared is actually. <sighs> Being prepared is, it gives me more peace of mind and oh, I can relax sure. at the beach Absolutely. because I know that every Absolutely. one of my family is is okay. And one thing I will say, I think it's like part of the adapting phase is that, of course, we get to the edge of the sand and Poppy wants to be carried. And I think it's because Goldie gets carried everywhere. So Poppy all of a sudden is like, oh, walking, walking for suckers. <laughs> what are these legs for? <laughs> and so like Nick's carrying two umbrellas, a picnic basket. I've got Goldie strapped to me, all the towels, all the snacks. And we had to like rearrange so Nick could carry Poppy too. Hence why this is 
great if you've had a really straightforward birth, but if you did have a cesarean, oh, for sure. this it would just be, be an really unnecessary and thing if, to do. And my husband is around a lot yeah. and and hasn't really gone back to work. Like he's gone back for in and out a few times, but he hasn't gone back to work properly yet. And um, so that's, you know, it's meant that we can get out and about, but it's not me on my own chasing after a toddler while yeah. breastfeeding it. A baby, but she, yeah, Poppy's taken the whole thing really, really well. The first two nights, she wanted to sleep in bed with us because I think she was a bit like, mm. "Why does that Go thing get to sleep in your room?" and and I don't. And then the last couple of days, if she's not playing and I've been breastfeeding, she comes up to me and she goes, "Goldie, done." Poppy mummy cuddles. Oh. And I'm like, oh, it like rips my heart out and stomp oh. on it on the ground. <laughs> and I'm like, that's why mummy has two arms, you know, and I like try and encourage her to come under my other oh. arm. I know. Under my wing. She only do, she's only done it a, she's done it a few times. And she's good. Most times she's just come up and hugged on the opposite side to the one. But she's, you know, tries to take her mouth off and she's like, no, Goldie, done. Do you know Goldie, when Mia, Mia was, um, we, we, we got home and she's a very savvy, switched on yeah. child. I was breastfeeding. What, unlike my dum-dum. <laughs> yours are all really, really silly. No, I was breastfeeding Billy and Mia said, oh, um, I've got poo, like, in a nappy. And I'm sure she said it in a baby way, like, poopy. I've got poo. (laughs) (laughs) I've got poo in my nappy. (laughs) Okay, anyway. (laughs) I was like, it's okay, babe. I'll change it in a second. Just hang on. And she stood there. It was like a war. We both looked at each other, a standoff. Yeah. And she ripped one Velcro. And I'm like, don't, don't do it. I'm still (laughs) feeding. And my letdown was coming. So I couldn't get off. It was just, I had to stay there. She does another one. And I'm like, oh, no one was home. And she just flings that and whips it around. And yep, that poo went everywhere. And I just stood there or sat there and was like, this is my life. Yeah. This is my life now. And yeah. (laughs) It's just interesting, isn't it, children? Yeah, yeah no, it's, um, yeah. But was the question originally was zero to one or one to two harder? Was that the original question? No, I just asked oh, if it's been harder it's going been. from one to two. But what do you think personally was harder, zero to oh. one or one to two? Oh, I mean, maybe it's too soon to say, but I would say definitely zero to one. I feel like your life just changes so – like I feel like the changes have already been made to my life. Yeah. I think that it really depends on your circumstances and your child and yeah. everything because the 16-month gap, that was the hardest thing for me. Yeah. My first child, that was great. It was just me and my husband yeah. and we just had us and it was just so much easier. Like yeah. raising a child is not easy. But no. if I can compare it to my three, yeah, that first child – is it's a dream and the second child it's hard work well I had two babies yeah two under two so and my husband was working I can only claim that for a month (laughs) no but still it was hard work yeah and then yeah I I just think that everyone we speak to will have a different opinion yeah see the reason I find I when Poppy was born I remember the first day 
that Nick went back to work and I was petrified. I was like, what do you mean? It's just me and this baby all day at home. And then the first day Nick went back to work, what well, this time was a, a day that Poppy has daycare. So it was just Goldie oh, and me at that's home. Nice. Oh my gosh. I was like, this is so <laughs> nice. I was like, the, I was like, yeah, see you guys. Bye. Bye. Yep. You drop Poppy at daycare on the way. Yep. See ya, everyone. That Go. is fabulous. Oh my God. It was so good. But I mean, of course, you know what to do this time. Yeah. I just. Circumstances though, yeah. like with Yumi, I had to drop Mia at school, Billy at daycare, yeah. and then I had Yumi in the car. Yeah. And that is a lot of effort in and yeah. out, in and out with a newborn. And you never know when they're going to need a feed. And a shit, and... and you just don't know. And it's just like, I've got to do this now, five, or uh, Billy was at daycare three days a week, but I have to be dropping mm. someone off five mm. days a week. And our routine, there's not going to be one. So that's that's where I had to just drop all you know, expectations and yeah. and things and just go with it. And I started to then feel more comfortable yeah. going, you know, this is my life mm. and I'm just going to work with it. And as much as the drop-off's hard, I, I do really love that Poppy has daycare two days a week. I think, it's, I think it's great for her and I think it's great for me. I think it's great for Goldie too. Yeah. That Goldie and I get two days, the two of them, except for when you come around and steal our precious bonding time and try and talk to me about things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's so good for Poppy too because, you know, she has two days where she doesn't have to look at me feeding Goldie and she doesn't have to wait for me to get things for her and she's playing and having fun and, yeah, I think it's really good. How did you – how long did you wait to bathe her and how long did you keep the vernix on? Yeah, so she had – as I said before, she had lots of vernix on her. So that just – the vernix generally just absorbs quite quickly into the baby. So by the time Goldie – like, you know, we had her at 11.30 in the morning. By that night she had very little – vernix left on her and it all absorbed and then we just did it the next day that's when the hospital does it like that that's when the hospital recommend to well that's just when they come around and say do you need help doing a bath funny not funny story um my husband actually tried to drown (laughs) oh good he was so (laughs) he was concentrating so hard on getting the like goo (laughs) and gunk out of the folds of her like in a leg <laughs> that he just was not paying attention to his hand that was underneath her head and just <laughs> dipped her under. Were you and watching? I went, yes. And I went, Nick, her head's underwater. <laughs> and he pulled her out and we forgot at the time because we were in a panic, but newborns have a reflex that when you put them underwater, they stop breathing so that they don't take water into their lungs. Like it's a good thing. It's a reflex they have. But it meant when he pulled her out of the water, she wasn't breathing. <laughs> so I go up and That's I hit funny. the buzzer. A buzzer's not working. So I run down the corridor, literally feel like my uterus is going to fall oh onto the floor. Gosh. I was like, I don't care, worth the risk because my child it's looks not like she's not breathing. And grab the first midwife I can see. And I'm like, my husband put my baby under <laughs> in the bath. Anyway, so she comes running back with me. And by the time we're back, 
oh, Nick goes, oh, I knew what to do from your podcast. He he lay her, you know, from the choking oh, thing. Don't. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to the um, When Is It An Emergency podcast, go back and listen to that. Yeah, so he had her over his forearm and was um, patting her back with gravity to get up any water. That is very in. impressive. Yeah, and she was breathing again and the midwife said, oh, don't worry, this happens all the time. They have like a five-second pause in their breathing so they don't take water into their lungs, but it happens all the time. So anyway, then that was the now that the sausage sizzle joke was over <laughs> then the running joke the of drowning. the day was Nick trying to drown her but yes day two of life was her first bath <laughs> oh that is absolutely classic I love that now what are some good things that you would take into the hospital with you okay so the number one thing that I think I've learned from this birth full stop is how good adult diapers are and why I did not have them for Poppy's birth and no one told me about them is beyond me. They are so, so good. I use the Tina brand ones. Apparently Depends are great as well. They're high-waisted so you feel a bit held and loved and supported. Mm, you they, yeah, you do, you it's just birth. like a light hug and they... A light hug on your vagina. No, 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 on your, on your tummy, on your lower tummy. And your vagina. And your vagina. And you just don't have to, you know, like afterwards I had so many people messaging me saying, how are you getting out and about in white? They, because of these. <laughs> I never had one leak in them. Wow. Yeah. never. No, had I one. agree because I had them too and they're freaking Yeah, fabulous. you don't feel with the really big pads, you can feel them moving around. What I did actually the first couple of days when your bleeding is the most heavy is I would put a pad inside the diaper and then every time I went to the bathroom I would change, change the, the pad, pad and then I would change the diaper like twice a day or I whatever. did that in the hospital yeah as well. and then when it got lighter I would just wear the diaper and then now that it's been yeah and then once it was past a week then I moved to undies and pads when it had gotten a bit yeah. lighter and I've also been using one of the brands is Modi Bodhi have you heard of them no they're an underwear that you just wash them afterwards but they have like a built-in pad into them have not had a leak i stopped wearing those nappies about two months ago (laughs) and now my husband's like where are those nappies girl no i'm joking no but i will say they were fantastic Oh, other things I would say, I won't go through the whole hospital bag. If you want to see a great hospital bag, go on to my Instagram highlights and yeah. I have it all there. It is actually quite, it's good. quite good. But another thing I would say is different climate clothing for you and your child because the yeah, amount that it increases and decreases in temperature in hospital is crazy. And so sometimes Goldie was literally in a nappy and sometimes she was in like pants and <laughs> a long sleeve onesie. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, how did you go with the baby blues? I didn't get them this time. I definitely got them last time. I got them day three last time. That It coincided with the day that my milk came in. We had organised for quite a few of our friends to visit us in hospital that day. And I remember sitting there, the tightest, most painful chest with all my friends or like heaps of friends around us just thinking, like, you know, just wanting to cry. And I remember my mum looked at me and saw me and went, okay, I think it's time for everyone Mm. to leave. Like she could just see the look in my eyes. This time we actually left after two nights. So we were home by day three. My milk still came in and was painful, but, yeah, I didn't have that same sensation of those, like, overwhelming emotions. Mm. I had it. I had it with all three of them. Yeah. One about my dog, like I felt sad coming home and not having time for my dogs. Yeah. And then felt sorry for Mia. 
And then Yumi, I felt just that's yeah. a long story, but you're anemic. Yeah, it Rude. sounds like all like overall, this has been such a, a positive pregnancy oh, and a positive birthing yeah. experience, a great transition into family, and yeah. everyone seems to be happy. No, we and healthy. feel. We feel really lucky. We feel like a real, I just feel like we're like a family unit now. It's just, it's Well, it's it's evened out, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I also had reservations about, oh, the the newborn period isn't going to be special because I'm going to be running after Poppy or constantly getting Poppy food. And sure, like I breastfeed at times sitting on the playroom floor so that I can have a tea party with Poppy and sometimes it's interrupted so I can get snacks. But it has still been so special, really, really special, and maybe even more special. It's just than time the first with your girls. Yeah, yeah. Just feel so content. so content. You, you yeah. sound content. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks. Well thank you for coming in. To my daughter's nursery. <laughs> Thank you for coming to your house. Thanks for walking five steps from my bedroom. No, we appreciate it. I'm taking the time out because I know that you're still technically on maternity leave. Worst worst (laughs) maternity leave policy in history is beyond the bump podcast. We have no rest. Okay, Goldie's had enough. We out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.